Welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm your host, Kira LaForgia, and every week I'm bringing you behind the scenes of running a successful business. Join me while we laugh, learn, and connect on mostly HR inappropriate topics with successful founders, diverse leaders, and kick-ass employees. It's true, your HR lady may have fired your bestie or made you sign a love contract, but we also have all the hot gossip that will make you better at your job. Whether you're on your way up the corporate ladder, are a fellow HR villain, or are building a culture as a rising entrepreneur. All right, Grace, thank you so much for being here. Behind the scenes, we've been uh, chatting for an hour and only having technical difficulties for 30 minutes. So... But I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so excited to practice podcasting with you because it is what we should be doing together. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's, before we dive into all about, you know, our friendship and our relationship and our co-mentorship, Ooh. let's introduce you to the listeners. So we've already read your bio off, but tell us about, you know, from the horse's mouth, like who is Grace Blacksey? <laughs> Such a loaded question. I was like, I mean, where do you want me to start? You know, there's just. <laughs> such an evolution of who we are and where we are now. Um, so first and foremost, I am the founder of quench collective, which is a community for women in business who truly want and desire and are doing business differently. Like currently desire to aren't already. Um, we have been around and in business and in the ether because we've always been an online community for going on seven years now. So this is like pretty wild, this evolution of where we started. And again, where we are, um, I am by trade come from the corporate events and marketing space and got into helping small businesses grow, scale their business market, their businesses, et cetera, be kind of a outlet of support for them towards the end of my corporate career. And I fell in love with it, like deeply, deeply in love with helping people grow their businesses. Like that was something there was just usually a two millimeter shift that we had to make and the doors were wide open. And, or sometimes we'd spend our entire time burning down like the idea and building it back up together. But what I found was doing that with support and community was the most potent way of doing it. And it can be so lonely, not just in entrepreneurship, but also when you're sitting in a cubicle or when you're sitting in a boardroom, there's so many, there's so much loneliness and leadership in general. And so I kind of found like, if we can create these spaces and opportunities for women to be kind of held through that process, then let's do it. So the community was created and here we are. So I act as a, the the head of community and also as a business strategist. And, um, it's my favorite work in the entire world. Like I feel completely and totally honored to do it every single day. And it lights me up big time. Oh my gosh. That was such a good like explainer of you. Cause I feel (laughs) like when over the the years that we've known each other, just a couple, but it feels like a lifetime. Yeah. Um, great. Community has always just been like truly at the core of who you are. And it also is just such a motivator for true and genuine relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned so much from you just in not only just following you prior to becoming friends, but also just in how you conduct your life and how you lead your life. And you go through these like hard life changes and you still represent your values and how truly central community is to, to that. 
So now on this podcast, we talk a little bit about like the nightmare bosses and the amazing bosses. (laughs) So we can learn how to be better at leading others through Mm -hmm. experience. And so why don't we talk a little bit about some of the bosses or supervisors or leaders that you've interacted with in your work life or your regular life that have taught you what not to do? Do you have any fun work stories or some examples that have made you into who you are as a leader? Yes. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, so many, it's like, again, where do I even begin from very early on to even more, you know, recently in my um, past careers, but there it's interesting because I feel like as a champion for women in business, the, the, some of the toughest leaders and most life-changing and, um, influential leaders in my life have been women. Um, I've worked with very few male leaders, which has actually been really interesting just looking at that gender dynamic in general and how they associate. But I feel like the, it was always such a kind of bummer to me to be in this situation where there was, I had women leadership that didn't feel like I didn't feel supported by, I was like, wait, we're on the same team here. Hold on a second. You know, there's been so many experiences in that sense, but I think that some of the, some of the more poor experiences have been, uh, when I was in the corporate spaces, um, more specifically when I was doing uh, corporate events for fortune 500 companies, and I was on an all female team and there was just lots of opportunities where we had an opportunity to show up as a team. And there was so much kind of taking people, picking people out of the crowd, putting them in the spotlight for what they did wrong, showcasing that. And I think to be honest, the worst part about those experiences is it brought out the absolute worst in me, like the absolute worst in me. I remember getting in a screaming match, me, like I will fully admit to this, getting in a screaming match with a past supervisor over an intercom on our, um, like we had the ability to kind of just like, you know, press an extension and speakerphone, like, Hey, you know, ask them a quick question. Like, Hey, did you get the file on X, Y, and Z? That's what it was intended for. Um, But, and also in an office where you could literally just say it out loud and the person could hear you like very small office where there was no point for doors to even be had, but we had these things and we were like, you know, like thought we were all very just high and mighty when using them. And I got in this full-blown screaming match with someone about a client over this thing where someone had to come out and be like, Hey, you guys need to stop. This is not okay. Like this is whatever. I mean, it just brought out the, I'm like, this is not me. This is the absolute worst in me. And I hated that. That was the, that was the case. Um, so lots of situations like that. Uh, and then really interestingly, even working in non, I've worked in the nonprofit space for a while too, and the marketing more specifically in marketing and, you know, it's a really interesting dynamic. I don't know if you or any of your listeners have worked with any, um, narcissistic leaders. And that is such an interesting experience. Like, wow, wow, wow. Where they take their power and they kind of flip it and use it in this really that's a great way. I mean, there is so much opportunity when you are a leader and let's just say too, like, 
I was thinking about this earlier today that leadership, there's so many ways that you can step into it, right? Like it can be inherited. It can be, um, it can be, it's like that, the, that like change of hands. It can be because you've quite literally, in some cases, people give others positions of leadership because they've been somewhere for so long. Maybe they're not quote deserving of it, but Hey, they're the person who's been here for seven years versus the person who's been here for seven months and maybe a little bit more deserving of the role because of their skills, because of the space they create for people, because of whatever it may be. But someone is given a role because of that. I think that there's probably lots of nodding heads for people listening to this, where they've like maybe been up for a promotion or something like that. And it doesn't happen because someone else steps in or vice versa, where like you've been the person who's been there for a long time and you feel really deserving of that role, but someone comes in with less experience, but just is the hot new thing or the, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's also been like in that role of working with a narcissist, there also was really interesting how he more specifically is how he identified um, projected that onto us as employees and even as department heads and that sort of thing. Um, and in some cases also the bias that we was created around hiring around the way that we looked like quite literally, like, was this woman attractive? Was she not? I mean, it was just what a wild experience. And then of course his leadership, he didn't have any interest in, being a leader, he had all the interest in having the title. And so there was nothing that he held for us and how bad that was, like what a cancer that created within the, within the organization was such a bummer because we were all there for a shared vision for this shared mission that we really, really, really believed in. And so everybody could feel it and how it trickled down. And I just got that like firsthand experience of, wow, this is not how to run a business. This is not even, this is not how to run a nonprofit. I feel like sometimes people think, you know, just because it's an organization or just because it's this or that, or the other thing, like uh, leadership isn't necessary, but it is in every sense of the term. If you have an organization of any kind, um, whether it's a C-suite or a nonprofit, there needs to be leadership just both in the everyday, but also in moving the vision forward. And, um, I think charisma can obviously can often be taken as, oh, the person's really charismatic. Therefore they're a leader, but that's not the case. I mean, that's actually, as we know, good and well, like <laughs> those are indicators of like cult leaders sometimes or whatever it may be, right. There can be like really interesting stuff there. So, I mean, it's been all the way from like the screaming match in my early twenties with, you know, this person just said something to really, really set me off. And someone who should probably have come into my office and had this conversation with me in private all the way to how that, and in, in like what that did for me, to me, all of it. Um, and how that set me off on my own journey of like, this is not how I want to communicate. This is not how I want to show up. This is not how I want to be. This isn't, you know, what I want all the way to working for leaders who are so blatantly leading unwell. And in that same breath, I've also had really, really incredible leaders. And some of the, I think attributes of those leaders have been that I always, no matter what felt supported, like it was that situation where I never made a decision singularly, the team made a decision, even if it was on me to say, they said, you know, grace, you're the, you're the expert at this. What do you think about this? And whatever your decision is, we have your back. And even if it was the wrong decision, you know, it's like kind of that whole thing where when people tweet out like, oh, the intern sent the uh, email on the wrong date, it's like, 
whoa, 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 hold on a second. Like it's not, don't single out the intern. It's, it's a, it's a company thing because if they're on your team, they're on your team. And so I learned a lot about how to actually be on a team, how to really, really be supported, what that looks like and what that feels like. And it makes me sad because I actually feel like a lot of people have, um, not been supported and then like, therefore don't know, really know what it's like to be on a team. So, yeah, I feel like that was a huge attribute. And then just also, um, the autonomy, like, you know, you're hired to do a job. And in a lot of, in some cases, what I've found in those poor situations, it's been that I wasn't able to actually flex the muscle that I was hired for, or I wasn't, or I was questioned for every decision I would make or, you know, whatever it may be. And so it was such a great opportunity to come in and then say, what do you think? Like, get curious and ask me questions and give me opportunity to, and even if that wasn't the final decision we went with, or even if it wasn't whatever, you know, the company needed at the time, the fact that they would say, you know, that's a great idea. And I'm going to put it right right here in plain sight where we can see it and revisit it later on, you know, um, and just trust. I think trust was the biggest thing too, that it was really cool showing up to work every day, knowing that I was, someone was in my corner and that I felt, you know, that there was trust there. And I could also go to that person for like anything at all. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was such a good answer. And I think you touched on so many amazing points. And I think one of them was that really jumped out at me was how you had this narcissistic leader, which I think we could probably do like a whole other podcast episode about that. (laughs) We've all had to, we've all had to deal with not, not just in work, but just in life, like having to deal with people that foster those tendencies of narcissism or, you know, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's, I've, I'm on like a group chat and I swear like with a bunch of friends and I swear like every other week, it's like just diagnosing like narcissists oh. in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 100%. what do you, what you brought up about how working with that leader, like made you feel unsafe. And then also in the screaming match that you had, and when you were talking about how it brought out the worst in you, like, I think that people, when we become leaders or when we become managers more specifically in a work environment, however, that happens like through the inheritance or, you know, whatever leadership isn't a status symbol, you know, it's, it's a set of responsibilities and it's your job to bring out the best in your people, because that is how the team functions and creates a space for you to flex the muscles that you were hired for. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really fun to hear kind of how that all rolled out for you. And then also how you've been able to start your own team and to help others build their teams. And it's not always so easy, you know, being a good leader is, is showing up in service and how has that manifested for you in, in your business or in management or even, you know, in, in leading your clients, have you had to have really hard conversations over the years and what has that <laughs> felt like and looked like? Cause it comes up so much and we always feel like to your point, again, we feel so alone in these roles and that's why this podcast exists, but like these conversations suck and it doesn't, because you have to have them doesn't mean that you're not showing up in service. It means that you're being a leader. So how has that yeah. looked for you? What, and to what extent you feel comfortable sharing, but yeah, I think, yeah. you know, how has that, how has that shown up for you? Okay. So a friend of mine, um, always says that it's not a confrontation. It's a conversation. And as a recovering people pleaser and someone who aspires to be a 
good leader and leading with intention and leading with intuition and leading with, um, you know, I think also like opportunity where there's, I feel like as a leader, I'm like a constant student of leadership, meaning that like, there's never a destination to me in leadership where it's like, and, and, you know, it's that you're constantly learning more about how you can expand. So therefore you can hold more space for your team and opportunity for them and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I feel like the the thing that's actually been most difficult for me has been that I've always personally in my life, like shied away from confrontation. Although I know that the example I just gave with the screaming match over the intercom may, <laughs> may say otherwise, but it's one of those things where I will just sweep it under the rug and, or do it on my own. And therefore what happens is we create a mountain of resentment. We create zero opportunity for someone to learn and then therefore grow. Like I'm actually stunting someone's opportunity for growth by doing it on my own or by not saying it something, but it felt so confrontational to me. And I always, you know, go back to her reminder of like, it's not a conversation confrontation. It's a conversation. And we have the more that like, it's truly become like a mantra in my mind before I have a quote, hard conversation with someone, because that is it. Cause I mean, even asking for me, it felt like the smallest thing, like, Hey, so do you remind, do you mind changing the font on this thing? And like, see how my voice just got super small and really kind of almost like, um, traditionally or societally feminine or like, you know, like very soft. And then it's like, first, there's something telling me in my mind that I have to, that when I type this thing out in Slack or that I, when I send this voice over, when I do this thing that it's coming off as like, yo, you suck. This font is disgusting. You need to do this all over again. And you're horrible at everything you do. Like, <laughs> whoa, that spectrum is so intense and it does not have to exist like that. And this actual same friend who I take obviously lots of life lessons from, she also says, I think a lot of people hear this and know this, but to be clear is to be kind. And so to be a kind leader is something that's really, really important to me. And that also takes clarity. So that means that saying, Hey, I noticed that this font was not in our brand font. Could you please change it to the brand font or whatever it may be as the simplest example. And I'm sure it's going to be received with sure. No problem. Or yes, completed or whatever it may be. And then great. It's done. Um, and that also gives me, I, I don't want to say fodder because that's not about like, I think loading the cannon of all these things that have been done wrong by our team or employees or contractors or whoever's, you know, working with us or for us. And, but it is kind of like, okay, I've been clear about my expectation and in being clear about my expectation, if for some reason this happens again, I'm able to say there's something that's not being received here probably. So let's come to the table and what's, I'm going to ask them, you know, like, is it the way that I'm communicating it? Is there a way that we can communicate this in a different way so that it it's done either with better quality or at a faster pace or whatever it is that you're actually needing. Um, because I think then that is the situation where maybe the, the person, you know, long-term of course, isn't right for the team because I continue to ask and it's actually not getting done clear as day. Right. But that's again, at the other end of the spectrum, it's just as clear as, oh yeah, I actually just need the request in an email versus in Slack, because sometimes like due to my neurodivergent mind, it just doesn't 
processed properly, it is so easy for me to send an email versus a Slack, right? Like how can I actually help my team become more efficient, more quality, um, and feel better about the work that they're doing and what they're handing over. Like, I think that it's not just about me asking and leaving it there. It's about like, how can I give you every tool that you need in your toolbox to do that? But it requires me believing that it's not confrontational. It requires me being clear about what I'm asking for. Then therefore I'm able to show up, I think as a more grounded and again, kind leader. Oh my gosh. That's such good advice. I think that especially for me, I get really wrapped up in the logistics of like the formula for like how to do this thing or how to have this conversation. And that's my HR brain thinking, like, I got to make sure that I have all my ducks in a row. And, you know, like I keep myself in check through writing down these observations so that I'm not having a bias and things like that. And I think it's really fun and interesting to hear what it looks like in practice for somebody like you, that we have so much in common and we don't want to have those confrontations. Like we came from painful work environments. We don't want to create that for other people. And just being reminded that it's, you got to be clear and straightforward or else you're not doing your job as a leader, like whether it feels good or if it feels bad, like you have to kind of like be able to show up in a way that is in service, even if it, the discomfort falls on you. And that's one of the cool things I think about working with women is that we can be really honest in these moments where we're like, Hey, this is hard for me to say, or, Hey, this is, this might come off a little harsh, but right. this feedback is important. And then over time, that's how we mold people into, and I hate that, like we need to clone ourselves, but that's how we mold <laughs> people into like living, truly speaking our brand voice and having those employees that we know that we can trust and count on and that they can trust and count on us. It's a, it's a two-sided relationship. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I love that you said that too, because I think that's such an important point. I feel like I've been with around leaders that are like, Oh, it's so great. This person's almost like a parrot. They sound exactly like me and sure maybe it's like you're a copywriter, probably a good thing because like you really do need to hone in on that brown voice brand voice or whatever it may be. But it's like, how do you lift up your team to be there, to be themselves and the brilliance that they bring for literally what we brought them on or hired them for. And also I think that like what you're talking about is about how they're just upholding the shared vision and the shared values of the business or the brand, right? It's just like, I'm asking you to show up as you, because you bring like this wonderful, incredible flair to what we do. Like you truly enhance it. And I think that's what, or at least that's what we hope for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think maybe we've had a lot of examples of, of people that don't, but there, I think, I feel like that's what we're really striving for is like that you do a really great job at upholding our vision for the business or for the brand and our values. And that naturally, I think just also like gives someone great feedback and also encourages them to still uniquely be them and what they bring to the table. Yeah. And I mean, I've had the lucky opportunity of seeing you, you know, hire and develop your team members and to be able to step away from your business. And so I've seen you make decisions that were really hard for in, in deciding who to bring in and how to bring them on. And, you know, I'm sure that there's plenty of, you know, evidence out there to, to the fact that you're able to build communities by creating space for leaders and other representatives to come in and kind of, 
you kind of tag them in a little bit. Like I know that you look for people to represent your brand that aren't, aren't just like you and you do that intentionally. And what skills do they have that they can bring in and add value to my services mm-hmm. or my business, my com- for you specifically, your community. And that can be kind of hard. You know, it can be hard to say, Hey, I'm going to bring you in here as a expert in something that I don't know about. Cause I have to now lead you and get results from you, but I don't necessarily know how you get the results and the skills that you're bringing to the table and we don't have to. And I think that there's a, there's some information out there that shows us that, or that is telling us that we have to understand everything before we can delegate it. And I am a huge proponent of no, like, that's just like more patriarchal (laughs) bullshit of that. We women have to know everything. Like no man is getting advice from their consultant saying you should learn Facebook ads for your (laughs) law firm before you hire someone like no man is getting that advice. And I think it's, it's really harmful, you know, like it's really Mm -hmm. harmful to put all of this on women leaders to have to learn it. But that does require a certain amount of trust and there is integrity that is built into these roles for small businesses. Mm-hmm. How have you kind of navigated through that over time, especially when it comes yeah. to the integrity of team and, you know, you are a new mom and you've stepped away for a while and there's definitely been ups and downs in the business along the way. And we don't have to dive into that too much, but how I know that you've created such valuable relationships with your team. So how have you kind of tried to navigate that like hands-off integrity and trust? And what have you looked for in your team and your people that have Mm -hmm. given you the space to, to step away during certain times? Yeah. I have a seven month old, which you you can probably hear in the back. He is teething like a madman. We can't hear him at all. I literally can't hear him. Yeah. So it's probably just making you go crazy, but just so you know, we can't hear it. Oh, that's good. That's good. I was about to say there, this is like, you just, I'm bringing you right into the family, right into the house. This is where we all work. My husband works from home. I work from home. Um, and I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. You can hear the dog. It's just all the things, right. I'm just managing it, but in, in being able to quite literally work inside of your home with all of these things going on, or even if you're in an office, even just the dynamics of everyone that's around you. I I do agree. I think like everything we've talked about, it's all rooted in trust, right? It's like our, I think the best leaders that we've worked shoulder to shoulder with or for whatever it may be is that the, the trust has been there. We've trusted each other. Also why it can be so hard when that trust leaves and, or is ripped away or gone, or it feels like that because man, oh man, that is so, that's so harder when someone does something to really like make that trust feel super shaky. Um, so yeah, I mean, what mother is a trip, man. And so is, uh, being a deciding to have create life in this world while also like creating life in your business and for your team and for your relationships. Like it is so much. Um, it is such a gift. Do not get me wrong. And, 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 and it's a lot to navigate. There is like absolutely no doubt about that. And I will never fake the funk because it is just a lot. Um, and I think that, and yeah, I mean, just the difference, I mean, I'm pretty lucky to be in a real, in a partnership where there is a lot of domestic, 
Uh, we hold a lot of domestic responsibilities again, very shoulder to shoulder, I would say like pretty equally. And there is just still naturally by way of both society and life and, and, and all this stuff that fall on us as women. And so it's a pretty wild experience, um, to have to hold that space as far as like care, whether you're caretaking for a child for others, for whoever it may be. Um, even to be honest, your animals at home, like that is not easy to do. Uh, and then I think what it requires enable for you to literally just be able to do anything to step away from your business is this deep amount of trust. So I think that what has been kind of the thing that has pushed us forward and the thing that has also been in some cases, not there, therefore you've had to kind of like shut off, you know, that opportunity to work together has been that. I am going to have this level of blind trust. Like, even if we think about it, like take everything away. Okay. I'm going to hire this person on in my business to be my assistant, to run Facebook ads, to do whatever it may be. Right. There is a really good chance. Like you don't date this person. Like you hire them, you start actually paying them. Like it's kind of wild if you think about it. Right. And then, and then you are in this relationship with them. Like, thank good for, thank gosh for the, like the 90 days. Right. That like that you have so graciously helped me put in place or whatever it is so that you can come back to the table and review these things and really decide if this person, you know, is for you or not, or how can we put in some skills to like help them along or adjust here or adjust there. But there is this level of blind trust that is totally necessary because you may have had an interview with this person and you get good energy. You're like, Ooh, this person really gets it. Or I really like that. They're this personality, this results of a personality test, or I really like that where they're geographically located or what they bring from a, um, from a different perspective of their education or their background or their work experience. And then you bring them into the fold, you fold them into your work, into your values, into your mission, into all this stuff. And, we have to see what happens. There's this level of like, put it on the stove and let's see how it simmers. And so I think that people really have this opportunity to show us, um, what they do with trust and how they hold it. And I think that it's important to remember that, that like going in with that, that really equal energy of like, I'm going to bring your, I'm going to bring my energy with boundaries. I think that boundaries within work are very, very important. And I'm not going to like completely pour the tea kettle out on this person, you know, whatever it is, because I need to see if they can meet me there. And I think that that's such a good, I don't want to say like, you have to constantly in this mode of testing your people. Like, I don't think that's what it's all about, but it's just like in a friendship or a partnership. It's like, are you going to meet me halfway? Are you going to bring to the table? And also I would say perhaps even easier with an employee or a contractor, because if you have those clear expectations going into it, you're quite literally able to say like, is this thing being met? And then also, you know, you're also bringing like all this energy to live events, or you're also bringing, you did this really great job on this customer service call or this email or whatever it may be. Those are added. That's like extra flavoring, if you will. So you got to see if it's going to simmer, right? I mean, it, it's, a, it's a, such an important thing of kind of that dating period, if you will. And so I think that it does require this blind level of trust. And something that I've seen both in clients and community members has been that 
they pour out the entire kettle onto this person. And then when it doesn't work, they completely build up this wall around themselves. They're never hiring again. They're taking it on all all themselves. They're never doing this again. They're never doing, there's lots of nevers, right? Whereas like, if we can come at it with this level, I think of, I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to keep a really open mind and know that this person could step away at any time and that's a possible thing, you know, or vice versa, whatever. Um, so I think it requires that trust and then the boundaries actually there of that, like I see that this KPI is not being met or this expectation is not being met, that that's actually integrous of you as a leader to say, Hey, this actually thing isn't being met. So a, what do we need to do to make it be met on your part? Because this is still your responsibility or how is it that, you know, tell me why it's not working for you. And then we can go from there. I mean, I've had conversations with people like that before and realized like, oh, wow, you actually weren't right for the role or what I was, what I was told during our interview process or whatever it may be actually, you know, like I was sold something that perhaps Mm -hmm. is it, isn't matching up. And so I think that it does really require honesty too on your part. And I think goes back to that, like communication piece, because I think trust integrity. And I think that third piece of communication is the absolute essential recipe to creating these spaces where we can really integrate good, I would say community, but also like within our business and culture and stuff, but also teams, because without that, I mean, there is not a lot of basis to walk on. I feel like you end up having a really shaky foundation. I mean, as you know, good and well, you've taught me a lot of what I'm saying here because you have such beautiful strategies. I mean, this podcast is one of my favorite, but just in my experience too, like those three components have it's also been the reason why people have, you know, ended up leaving the company or whatever it may have been. Yeah. And I think that one thing you touched on was when there's a couple things like with the trust aspect of it, it's, it's the, it's the foundation for anything that we build trust in ourselves, trust in our partners, trust in our friendships, trust in our communities, trust in our in the spaces that we, that we occupy, like even trust in like our like our government representatives or like mm-hmm. trust in our state that they're going to protect us and not take our rights away. Mm-hmm. Trust, like, take my money, take my taxes. Yes. Um, <sighs> trust in our communities that we live in. Just knowing that like my neighbors are, we have each other's back, you know, like little things like that trust really does kind of compound. And in the interview process, we don't have that trust. So it does feel really blind. And I would, I would venture to say that even when we have people that don't work out and I have had that, and I hope that I can show up in this podcast. If those people ever listen to this and know that I just want for anybody that ever like got fired or feels weird about, you know, if they've worked with me or whatever. And this is kind of a weird thing about this podcast is that I'm talking about people that I've worked with. And so Mm -hmm. I never want anyone to feel you know, kind of like shit on or anything. Yeah. But in these moments where you're looking back and you're like, God, they told me they could do that. I think one of the things that I've really learned, especially as I've gotten older and then become a seasoned employee and employer is that when I was 23, I knew fucking everything. <laughs> like I was never more qual. I was the oh, most yeah. qualified person for Same. that job. And I truly believe that like, of course I started, you know, working 
around that eight, that was <laughs> 13 years ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I look back, it's so funny. Cause you like develop. And I, w- I wonder if this is another conversation, but like you develop this like confidence over time. That's also offset with doubt because you are exposed mm-hmm. to more, like the more, you know, you know, like the less, you know, kind of a thing. And totally. when we interview our employees, like, I think there's a tendency to be like, Oh, like, that wasn't fulfilled the way that I thought it would be, or that wasn't what I was sold or that wasn't. And truthfully, I think that as leaders, I don't think that it comes from a place of dishonesty when our people kind of fuck us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and I don't mean that. I mean that in a really direct, and I want to yep. use that like really kind of straightforward terminology. Like, I don't think it's coming from a place of disintegrity, or I don't think it's coming from a place of lying or not telling the truth. Like, I think that it is part of lifting up other women to be confident in these interview processes and not feel like they're later going to be attacked or later going to be told, you told me you could do this. Like, I think we have to create spaces where people are comfortable being, you know, being like, you know what? Yeah. I don't, I I think this was more than I, I bit off a little more than I could chew, or I didn't understand the depth of this task, or um, maybe I'm not as good at that as I thought I was. And for us as leaders to be like, okay, well, how can we move forward together? Because you as a person are still valuable and important, but my business needs something that has a different type of value. Like being able to create environments where we're able to kind of foster a little bit more collaboration in those, in that separation, I think is really it's one of the ways that I want to change the way that HR is done in business, because there is space in effort to be a leader and help people find their next move, even if it's not in your business. And as small business owners, we've only got a few people on our team. Like we have to be able to show up for them fully and kind of put the bullshit aside and let them know when they're not doing what they promised that they were going to do. Because I guarantee you most of the time, especially you know, trust is an emotionally driven word. Respect is, it means something different to everyone. Integrity means something different to everyone. So being able to show up and have those conversations, like, I'm really sorry, but I know you think that you're doing this really well, but truthfully not in, you're not, you're not doing it in the way that we need. And I also can tell that this is what you want to be doing. So it doesn't seem like our paths are currently aligned. So how can we take this next step together to find you a way to go find out that opportunity? Do you want to, you know, create a kind of middle of the road job where you're still adding value to our company while you're finding something else? Maybe I can connect you with somebody that can help you learn, but my business is small and I can't always pay for you to go and use your time to get better at the things that I hired you to do. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something really messed up about the hiring and firing culture where as leaders, we are messed up because we feel emotionally betrayed. And a lot of that is because as employees, we are trained to trick employers. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I see people all the time, like in Facebook, yeah. not, not in a small business communities, but just like I'm in like Facebook groups for like women and stuff. And it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, I really want to redo my resume. Like i you know, I really want them. Like, what are they looking for? How should I tweak this? What should I add? And it's like, no, dude, like yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a former teacher. You can do anything. Yes. You show up in that interview and you say, I'm a former teacher. I've never done that, but I can. Yep. Like you want to take a shot on me because I'm like, I'm here to commit to you. Like I want more interviews like that. I want less interviews. Like, yes. let me prove myself to you, even though I have to go learn this on YouTube in 10 minutes. Like 
We need to like cultivate a space where people have an opportunity to come in and like kind of screw up, screw up and screw around and learn a little bit, but sometimes our businesses can't afford it. And I think that that's part of the the struggle is that if we could, I think we would create spaces for people to learn and grow within our leadership and our guidance, but we we can't. And I think that that's the hardest part is that right. we find amazing people that offer value in 70%, but we can't afford to fund that other 30%. And it sucks, mm-hmm. but it's, it's part of the conversation that we need to have with our people, you know? Yeah. I think that like that you hit the nail on the head. I think that it's the, the value and resourcefulness, like show me how resourceful you are. Absolutely. Like I completely understand, like you don't have to be dishonest and say that you know how to do something when you don't in in sense of, and I, I mean, I love what you're saying in the sense of like, let's get down to the root and change it from a societal perspective of like actually lifting them up to come at it with, I have this, this, and this, I hear you and see you saying that you're looking for this, this, and this, and this is how I think I can get to this, this, and this, right? Like, cause I am so much more likely to hire on that person who's telling me that I'm going to come in with this very open mind with the ability to shift into work. And instead of just saying that I'm an expert at this, um, I'm going to say that, you know, in some cases we hire experts for certain things, but I'm going to say that I'm resourceful and I have the Also, I have the ability and the integrity, like go with me on this to fuck up. Like I have the ability that I know that I think if we can create spaces where it, where, when people know that I'm going to try this because I, I have all this data, I've done all this work and I'm going to try and see if I can put this podcast together for this person and blah, 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 or whatever the thing may be. I have all this stuff. And if it doesn't work saying like, okay, it didn't work, but you were 80% there. So how can we actually work on getting you the rest of the way or whatever it may be. And like actually coming with the resourcefulness and coming with the open mind of like, I'm going to try this. And even saying like, I'm going to try this and I may mess up. And I think then it's our job as leaders to say like, okay, that didn't go as planned. And, you know, like for us to, for, for us to say, for them to come in and do it perfectly every time perfection doesn't exist. I mean, it's like, we are asking for something that truly does not exist because we're thinking that like, if we're bringing someone in, I don't know how to run a podcast, but if this person comes and we're hiring them on, you know, I've never really run a podcast before, but I'm, I'm going to learn, I'm going to do or whatever the thing may be right. Then, okay. We bring them in. There are bound to be mistakes. There are bound to be, but it's like, again, if I feel like instead of making our team feel like they're on a firing squad versus like, we actually are standing with them shoulder to shoulder, or we are like, I'm on your team with this. Like, and unfortunately I think we have a lot of people who are joining us on, on teams who come from that, who, who show up thinking that they are on a firing squad. And again, why I think that we have to, from the root cause change it. And we have the ability to without question, especially for women and know that like, if you are a leader, you have the ability to change that. And if you are someone who is employed by others, you also have the ability to go into it and expect more of your leaders to, you know, Mm -hmm. to go in and say like, this is actually what I need to, to be a better, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever I'm doing. So, yeah, I mean, it all goes back to that. I mean, even going back to my initial story about a great leader that I had, it was that there were many times, like I sent out an email to the entire, you know, our 50,000 people on our email list with all the wrong links and the dates and the times and whatever. And I knew that when I ran to my person, she was not going to have steam coming out of her ears. She was going to go, let's sit down and figure this out together. 
and it never happened again, you know, because Mm -hmm. I I felt supported and because I got the tools and whatever to, to make it work. So mistakes will happen, but it's like, how do we mitigate them? And then also lift our people up to know that they're not alone, to know that they can make in more power decisions because of the leadership that you brought to the table and like the work that you've done on yourself. Yeah. And I mean, I think when we're working with small businesses as well, we can, you can tell when a business is run by a good leader because you might actually have an employee that like sends you the wrong link or makes a mistake. And sometimes it's even within a space where like you might see the correction from the supervisor, like right there in your Slack channel, like, Hey, uh, don't know where that came from, but here's the right one. Ha ha ha. Emoji, emoji, heart, heart, heart. Like that's a completely, (laughs) you know, and those employees don't make those mistakes again, you know, generally. And if they do like, I've gotten emails from like big, huge companies, like literally revolve. And they're like, whoops, we sent you the wrong link. Oh yeah. And I feel like it's fine. Like revolve, like they run Coachella. (laughs) Um, But it's like, it's funny too, because it tells you about their culture and it makes me want to buy from them. If we get an email from a company that's like, our deepest and most sincere apologies about this link, you know, it's like, okay. But then we get an email that's like, you know, we messed up. Sorry about what? that. Yeah, we, still gift, sell, emoji. we still sell dresses. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we still got you. Hop we are on not, there. Yeah. Like, and the fact that you showed up in my inbox again, probably is going to make me check on the, like click on the link again. So right, it right. all, it's all a win. I mean, we don't want that happening every week. No, there's no doubt about it. And I think that if these, you know, coming with, of course, that person, it feels maybe like terrible about what happened, but coming with like, Hey, I made a mistake. I think also like, that's the thing that requires radical transparency from them too, is like, I made a mistake. How do I make this better? Or this is how I'm making it better. You know, like just, I think that's important on both ends. And again, like why meeting each other, like with the energy on both ends, I think is the only way that it's, that it's going to be able to work in, in most cases. Yeah. It's funny too. Cause like whenever we work with contractors, which we do, like, I feel like I constantly have to say, like, I'm not just like employee, yeah, employee, employee, like we're a small business. Like we have, a, there's a place for both. It's kind of hard for me sometimes to be like, well, I see a little gap in your process. And I'd like to talk with you a little bit about how we can improve that yeah. for maximum efficiency. <laughs> like, it's just like, I kind of have to yeah. hold myself back and be like, you know what, this is their business. They're going to do their job. Like yep. at the end of the day, like if I find someone with a better process, like I will move on and I will go do yeah. that. But it is hard for me sometimes actually to like, hold it, hold it in and be like, it's not actually my job to lead you. It's not mm-hmm. my job to give you KPIs to hit. It's not my job to give you a job description. Like right. it's my job to have, and of course, Lauren's going to hear this, but it's my job <laughs> to have my podcast edited and for me to give feedback. If there's something that Lauren can do better, which yes. truly like there's not. So, you know, yes. great job, Lauren, <laughs> but, um, it's, and, and she can, she does her thing, you know, she yeah. runs her freelancing the way she wants to, and we have a great connection and right, we both exactly. get what we need. And and that doesn't, that is a form of leadership as well is understanding where you can push and pull and where it's not your place and staying in your lane. And I think that even within the complex relationships within your team, like figuring out where those lanes are can be one of the harder, the harder things to yes. do, you know, <laughs> like yeah, 100%. I think that <laughs> is the sticky, like it's that right there that can be really difficult. And also why 
people, I think like you, this podcast, that sort of thing, like these conversations are so necessary because just staying in a silo and trying to figure it out on your own is really, really difficult. And especially when you don't come from that too, if you're like, I am new to being a leader or I'm have been a leader for a long time. And I'm realizing that the way I've been leading hasn't been working or it hasn't been getting me the result that I wanted. It's okay to, I can't tell you how many times I feel like every month I'm like, Ooh, that thing, I need to sharpen that. Or, you know, it's like, I look at us as small business owners. is just like having this big, huge lever board in front of us. And we're constantly pulling things up forward back. Oh, that needs a little bit more. That needs a little bit more. And that's like, it's, it's really never ending. And, um, I think that, if we can build teams that help that process become less exhausting, then we're doing something right. You know, like mm-hmm. that's for sure, because it can be really tiring to run our businesses. And even if you have all the systems in the world, it does require people some sometimes, but most of the time. And if we can find the right people who really, again, like meet us where we need things like where that energy really needs to be enhanced or pulled back, or, you know, we need us over here. So they need to be over here sort of thing then, but it's constantly changing and it's constantly moving. And I think even probably you Kara, with your team can, could say that like, oh yeah, we just adjusted this thing the other day, or just put that KPI in place or just adjusted that SOP or whatever it may be. I mean, just because they're in place doesn't always mean that it's just stagnant. It's super dynamic and it's always evolving and changing. And I think that that's also part of that leadership process is like, how can we fine tune or make that two millimeter shift so that it works for everyone even better? Yeah. And I think that that's what, you know, we want to make sure we have these solid foundations and that's, there's always a wrench thrown in the mix. Like you're never done with your team. You're never done with your internal operations. Like it's not just done. It's not permanent. Like everything is in fl- like you could get an email from circle that says they've added in a new feature and it could change the requirement of the person of your community manager. You could get 100%. an email from Slack. That's like, Oh, we've got this new feature and it could, it could remove requirements for your team to spend two hours a week per client. Or we could get for God's sake, why, why can't Google drive just allow us to duplicate an entire folder? Like I don't understand. I still but- <laughs> But like, if there is a way, like, tell me, but realistically, it's like those little things that come up, like have contributed to the way that we show up and serve our clients and the way that we show up and serve our business, because they're part of our processes that are dynamic and they change and they develop and they grow over time. And if you're in a position to be like, I don't want to do any more change, then you need to not consider yourself a leader. Mm-hmm. Like you need to consider yourself a silent owner or an investor in your company. And you need to have somebody showing up there to lead because yeah. you're not going to be done. You're just not yeah. done. You never. know, like it never ends. <laughs> so. no, it's never ending. Yeah. Never. Well, Grace, I know that we could talk forever and I know we'll have you back because there's so much more we can dive into, but there was one thing we were talking about before when we were offline that I thought was just such a, a cool and terrible topic. Um, so we, we talk about how being a CEO and being a leader in our businesses and a small business owner is super lonely. And that's why you've created Mm -hmm. your community. Um, but one of the things and specifically the topics that come up a lot in this is, is the topic of money and how we are, we have to like ride this roller coaster of entrepreneurship and the ups and downs. And even the people that seemingly have it all together are, 
you know this because of your community. I know this because of our clients and myself, but there's, there is a constant roller coaster about finances. And when it comes to team, it can feel like so much pressure, like crushing you at any given moment. And that can sometimes feel too much, but I just wanted to like open it up and just like kind of give you some space to talk a little bit about your experience in the roller coaster of income and finances, especially as you become a new mom and yeah. learning how to deal with all of that. So our yeah. listeners understand that when I say we're not alone, they know because they can hear it from you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, you know, admittedly, I t- became, I took quench full-time, meaning I had no other revenue coming in, in, um, 2019. And, you know, it was really, uh, working on one-on-one basis with clients, really like small business owners. I mean, it's all the way from brick and mortar business owners to online business owners. And I would do that in, you know, container. So three month coaching container, six month coaching container, really over longer periods of time so that we could really work you know, weekly, let's say to, to get to a specific goal, 2020 happened and the world changed and people were online so much more. And people who had been wanting to, you know, people getting laid off from their jobs left and right. People who have been wanting to start their businesses were finally able to. And so I think that they found a home in quench and they're, uh, I think that something that has always made us stand out is that it can, our industry can be such an echo chamber, one that I have absolutely no interest in being a part of. And so our encouragement around do it your way, like, just because you say someone like, sure, someone might have a recipe for you to make $10,000 a month, but you're still going to have to take that recipe and make it your own because there is probably not going to be any sustainability in that recipe for you because it's really somebody else's recipe. Right. So we really encourage women to do business differently. And more than that, build their life around their business, not the other way around. Like, because in most cases, people are coming to us where they've done that or coming out of worlds or corporations or jobs or organizations where it is completely taken over their life. They're burnt out, et cetera. So we, um, I mean, essentially for lack of a better term, blew up in 2020 and in the subsequent years to 2021, 2022, and in 2022, I got pregnant and we, uh, decided of course that we were going to do business as usual. Um, and we have our membership and our coaching programs and those were all running as they, as they always have. Uh, we brought on one of our contractors as an employee and, uh, to make sure that while I was out on maternity leave, which was meant to be a three month maternity leave, uh, that things would run smoothly. And they did, they, they ran pretty smoothly. Although what took a major hit was our educational programs, because I was not able to show up myself and teach those programs. Right. Um, and then in the midst of all of that, I ended up with pretty debilitating postpartum depression, anxiety, and OCD. And I found out pretty early on in my journey, about four weeks into it, I ended up getting some very critical care in the sense of, um, increasing therapy, going on medication, that sort of thing, because I was a shell of a human. Like it was such a sad time because I wanted to be able to be so present in these special moments of having a brand new child. And I was just, I mean, I couldn't stop crying for like four weeks straight. It was so sad. And knowing that I also over here in this other ball that I'm juggling have this entire community of women who are 
counting on me to show up for them in a few months. And when getting out of bed and brushing your teeth sounds like the hardest thing in the world, it's like, wow, where do I go from here? And how do I do this? So I was extremely grateful that we had a team member in place that could hold that space for who needed it, you know, in that time. And then three months came and went, and I was still not emotionally prepared. I could not hold space for anyone. Again, I think as a, from a leadership perspective for me to just dive back into things when I couldn't have actually, I could barely still do it for myself. How could I have done that for other people? That would be going against every one of my values and saying that I could do something when I couldn't, it would be lying. And that's honestly is my number one value in life. Like there's no way that I could do that. I'm my mental health still needed to be my number one priority. And yes, sitting there and watching literally our business bank account being drained as I was paying for all of these outgoing things to keep our business running while not having anything in coming was, I mean, talk about anxiety, my God, like that was the most, I was just riddled with it even deeper every day. And, you know, this is a really specific circumstance. I'm talking about like motherhood and postpartum challenges and you may be experiencing these things and not having any of those. And like, that is a very, very real thing too, that maybe there's this been this transition or just like, holy shit, the industry changed. It's shifted. Our economy is in the toilet right now, like whatever it may be. And what do I do? You know? Um, and since then what I have, what I've, it was what we were talking about earlier, like what I feel like I've decided to do is that there is no going backwards, right? In business, there is absolutely no going backwards. I think of business as this big, huge freeway and we are all just driving forward. Like you, unless you are doing things, you know, just like not the right way and going to hurt a lot of people. You don't throw your car in reverse and go backwards on a freeway, right? You can get off on an exit, take some time off, park your car for a little bit, take a break, take a rest, take a whatever. You can merge into the slow lane, into the fast lane, but you are constantly moving forward. You do have control over your pace. You have control over the type of car you are driving. You have control over all of these components, right? To go left, to go right, to get off, to whatever, to bring someone in the car with you. How full is your car with your team? You know, like this, I use this analogy a lot with my um, clients and it's like, I am completely reinventing the car that I'm in. Like, how do I want to continue to move forward? Because the way that I was moving forward before served myself and our community so well. And if I were to continue on in that car and in that fashion, it would not serve anyone well because I wouldn't be serving myself well. Right. So I'm able to show up in these spaces and community as a community leader, I think it's so important to reevaluate that. And I'm quite literally very transparently in the midst of figuring what that is out right now, because because the way that our, you know, I'm finding that as I've watched our bank account dwindle, it's done this thing where, wow, it is really impacting the decisions I'm making. Like when I see that number go from that much less zero to, you know, whatever it may be, I'm making decisions. I'm like, I'm so aware that I'm making a decision out of scarcity right now. Like, holy moly. If it was just had two more zeros on it or even one more zero on it, would I be making that decision? And sitting back and also let me just say that this is a blanket of privilege, right? Like this is all big, big old blanket of privilege on top of this because I had had some savings to work with and putting that into the, you know, arsenal before I went out on leave. What was I was I planning on taking six months off? No. So whether you ended up needing to take time away from your business because of your mental health or because you experienced loss or trauma or whatever it may be. Like we, as a business owner, the quality of our team and also how 
the quality of us and our mental health and how we're showing up truly is number one. I mean, there is like, I mean, that's been as clear as day and transparently, transparently, I'm trying to figure out what that looks like. Like, how do we, how do I move forward with a bank account that looks like what it looks like? And then it's never going to get back to the place it was because I don't have the same space or capacity or bandwidth to what I did in the past because I'm a mom now and I, my time and my energy are going in completely different places. Right. So it's just a flux. So I guess there is like no conclusion to this other than if you're in a similar space, you're not alone. And that it really does speak to the seasons of life because it's not always going to be like this, but there is opportunity, I think in change. And in that kind of grief of change, I think we can sit in it and we should. And I think it can ask us like when those winds are shifting, there is opportunity saying, which way do you want to go? And you get to really, really choose what that looks like. And don't forget that as a leader, that even if a decision to quote, go back to a job, how do you actually look at that as an opportunity to diversify your experience, your revenue, whatever it may be, your leadership even, um, or how do you push forward in your business in a different direction? that feels best to you. Yeah, I know. I just, you're the best. (laughs) I, I just want to thank you so much, Grace, because not only for just sharing in that vulnerability, but also just for being such a light in this, in the online industry and just in the world. Um, there's so much that you've brought and brought to my life and our relationship and our friendship is like so invaluable. And I think that everyone in the world deserves a grace, but I'm lucky (laughs) enough to have one. So (laughs) I just want to thank you again. And I just, I know that your community is so high value and it's so impactful. And to have that lens, that mirror turned back on our fellow business owners, I think just creates a higher level of integrity and, a really higher level of quality in our space. And so I encourage everyone that's listening to go and check it out. Make sure you get grace in your orbit. Um, We'll include all of your links in the show notes and all of your, you know, on the Instagrams and all the things. So you don't have to worry Mm -hmm. about spelling words out. Awesome. (laughs) Um, But I just want to, I don't know, I guess just because we have this public platform, I'm just publicly just want to acknowledge you because there is, I meet a lot of people and I love them all, but there is something so unique and so special and so inspiring about you, not only as a friend, but as a business owner, as a woman. And I'm just like, so happy to hitch myself to your wagon and be on this journey with you. So thanks so much for being on on the up and up. I'm sure you'll be back and I'll just keep, you know, for all the listeners that are like more grace, I'll just keep working on her and we'll have our own podcast soon. Oh my gosh. I cannot (laughs) wait. I cannot wait. I feel so honored to be in your world. So thank you for having me. I love you. I love you so much. If you're listening to this, you've stuck with me for this entire episode. And for that, I say thank you. I hope you found as much value in this week's topic as I do. If so, be sure to follow, rate, and review on the Up and Up podcast. You'll be helping others find the fun in HR too. Follow us on social media and join us next Wednesday for your weekly dose of On the Up and Up.